Hello and welcome to our next edition of Vagabond Actors Podcast. I am Andrea Helene, talking to you from Mallorca, Spain. And with me, my two favorite acting teachers are Gary Condis from London. Hi, Gary. Hello, Andrea. Hello again. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. And Brian Casp from Prague. Hi, Brian. Hey, Andrea. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm eager to talk with you both about our topic today, which is goals, setting goals, attaining goals, measuring them, giving you hopefully some support from our own experiences. And and let's put our brains together and come up with some ideas to help all of us move with momentum into the new year. That's the plan. 2021. (laughs) Let it be less interesting. Exactly. But first, before we begin, we always like to catch up with each other on what we've been doing creatively since we last spoke. So either of you have something to share? Always got something to share, Andrea. (laughs) What was interesting for me this week was I was coaching for two actors who were casting for two projects that could be described as um, the scenes that they were going up for could be described as sort of functional scenes. And I'm sure you've come across those kind of things. You've probably gone up for them plenty of times. You maybe even done the job. Uh, where there is some kind of police officer or functionary character that you have to sort of do and just get on with it. And one of the characters was an independent investigator reporting to a board about their business procedures. And another was a police officer delivering info about an operation that they were going to do using a map and pointing out certain vantage points and strategies to his superior. You know, so these are interesting challenges um, because they seem to not have a lot to grab hold of in terms of character work or drama and you know there's a certain functional aspect to the situation and a lot of information that is being offered by the characters or they're being asked for factual information so you know there's that which is really the circumstances. It's a circumstance-led challenge, if you like. But also then you've still got to balance the character brief that they've been given to try and maybe see if you can fit some of that in or at least deal with it and address it where these scenes are pretty much just information. So it's very challenging to make that interesting, but it was very interesting to do. And I think the way we started was it was to do with let's deal with the circumstances. Let's get that because that's what's leading these two particular scenes is the fact that you are there to report back. Mm -hmm. And then once we got that, we started to maybe just color it a bit with perhaps information that was detailed in the brief. He's a bit cocky or he's a bit of a woman's man or he's actually very officious, a bit of a a, a grey suit. And all of these conjectures that you could do something with, at least interpret, and layer that on, on top. So that's the way we kind of approached it because... The two guys who came to me with these casting propositions were were basically just quite bland and had done quite a bit of work on it. It's kind of interesting to to do something which wasn't hugely dramatic and still have to find the nuance in it. That's excellent. Yes, those those kinds of scenes 
can be very challenging, can't they? Sometimes I, I get an audition for something like that and I think, oh man, I wish they'd given me three pages. Not because, <laughs> you know, I want a bigger role, but because in a way it's easier to sink your teeth into something that's more explicit and has more of its own arc than to figure out how to temper your appearance to support the entire story. It's a very specific art in a way. Yeah, absolutely. You could go too far and forget that there is actually a very specific functional reason why this scene is existing. But again, you could go too far or you could not go far enough. And there's that there's that sort of tightrope that you've got to walk to, to, to really do something with it. That's right. Oh, good for you. And Brian, what about you? What have you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Well, the week that we're recording this, that what I just was doing last week was finishing up on recording this character for a video game that yes. uh, is a local Czech production of a video game. And depending on how these episodes come out, uh, maybe you've heard about it and maybe you haven't, but I'm finishing it now. And it's quite an interesting challenge because basically I have an idea of the kind of tone that the character has. But the way that we record, there really isn't a lot of actual conversation because I'm recording my lines by myself without another actor there. And sometimes when you work on video game recordings, they'll have, in fact, a lot of times they'll have someone else reading the line that is your cue line so you know what you're responding to. But in this particular case, there wasn't really anyone reading the cue line and I was just basically cold reading all of these lines and trying to respond as best I could. And, you know, they had the text of whatever the scene was on one side, but it was a little bit hard to see what was my line and what was not my line. And so you kind of had to read it and that slowed down the process of recording. And because we wanted to get through it, because there was, I don't know, there were probably, oh, something like 3000 lines that we recorded over the five days. So you, you just kind of have to take a shot in the dark and see what it's going to be and which which version of the line they're going to take and um, and how it might sound within the game as, as the characters are playing through. And and that was a, a certain challenge to kind of keep your energy up and to keep feeling like you're trying to respond to something that just is not there at all. Yes. You know, and sometimes even the lines, because the way that the text program was working, you know, and or the way that video games are done in, in general, like you're doing variations on that scene, maybe three or four times, depending on what choices the player has made previously. So you might be jumping back and forth within a scene between variations. And so it's just quite a challenge to kind of keep all of that straight, but it's fun. I mean, it was very fun to do it. Excellent. So that's what I've been up to. It's a very intense kind of focus that you need for work like that. So good for you during this um, hectic pre-holiday season to have your head down. Well, I'm happy to have the work, actually. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's so many actors are out of work that I'm like, mm -hmm. listen, I'm down with whatever I can do, and especially something that's this fun to do. It's, it's really a blessing to have it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been up to. Excellent. And baking Christmas cookies, too. Yes. That's what I've been up to. So. I've been, been enjoying <laughs> yeah. your photos on social media. People yes. go check out Brian's photos. Quite lovely. And tonight I'm probably going to bake. They're called rugula, which is oh, yeah. which is a pastry that is from the old country. And I remember my grandmother used to have rugula when we went down for the holidays when I was a kid. And I thought about it recently. And I thought, oh, I should make those. And then I was like, this would make perfect Christmas time mm. cookies. So I'm going to make some arugula tonight. You you got to open up a little sort of patisserie 
Oh, man, you know, when 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 things thing. are back to normal and you know shops aren't opening, closing, opening, closing, you can yeah, I think you know just a little you know little small little shop. Mm. Yeah, coffee. Yeah, and- because I don't have enough on my plate already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've got. A few, I'm sure you've got time to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, Andrea, what have you been up to on that lovely island of yours? Oh, the island is so lovely. I told our listeners about the benefit concert that I was helping to organize here on the island to support three food charities. And that was a hoot, people. Oh, my gosh. We had a really great time. We worked it all out, you know, to be COVID safe and watching how many people were in the space. We had it all timed so that the musicians would come in and out at various times. The musicians were fabulous. In between the musical acts, we did some chatting about the charities and the musicians introducing them. So it was all live streamed. Oh, my gosh. At some point, I leaned over to my friend, one of the other actresses, and I said, I will never be be a newscaster. It's so intense to be live. You know, all the little blips that can come up because of sort of that extra level of adrenaline because you're live. It's really wild. When I'm in a theater, I don't experience that generally. I mean, I get the excitement, but Mm -hmm. I lost my focus at one point during this. Something distracted me. Something fun distracted me, one of the musicians. But I was like, I'm I'm in a two-shot here. (laughs) Like, I forgot I was in a two-shot. Yeah, I thought I forgot I was in a two shot and it was not a close up on my colleagues. So that was wild. It was a really good lesson in the middle of it because you may watch the link. They're going to put the link out and you may watch and go, I didn't see that. After I got distracted, you know, I didn't have any dialogue at that point. And I knew I didn't have dialogue for that segment. It was going to cut away to me. I just had to smile. But in my mind, I'm like, I didn't eat enough protein today. Oh my God. And we can't break and I can't go eat some protein before the next segment. What am I going to do? Andrea, get your head back in the game. Like that whole little dialogue went down in my mind. So that was super interesting with live. And it made me think about Zoom auditions and that yeah. at, that heightened experience. And I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about that because I see it in the Zoom classes that I've watched and Zoom auditions. I think there is there's another level of nerves that might come into play that maybe we should, maybe we could talk about this uh, down the road. Sounds good. Put it on the list. Uh, but I just want to say like a huge thanks to the people who participated in this concert. Uh, we had over 300 donors um, go online and watch with their families and the phones were ringing off the hook after we finished. And we raised over 4,300 oil to go to these three different food charities. So people are are really pleased with how it went. And it felt good to do something and to accomplish something in a relatively short period of time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So speaking of planning and accomplishing things, let's get into the next segment. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner, and if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters 
your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put Vagabond25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. So here we are, December of one of the strangest years any of us have ever experienced. And while we are particularly eager to, uh, to welcome 2021, I think all of us, at this time of year, certainly the three of us, give some real thought to what we want to accomplish in the near in the near future. So we thought we would start 2021 with a conversation about goal setting, how to do it, why to do it, how to go about doing it, the kind of spirit with which you should be doing it, and really how to set yourself up for success. So let's get into it. Do the two of you have some specific goal setting or goal achieving experience that you want to share to kick this off? So I have some long-term goals that I think about. They're not as actually, you know, in in practice, they're not as defined as I think what they should be and what we're going to talk about today. But I do have shorter goals that I put into place. And that could be something like get my show reel together, which I think is a goal that a lot of people have. And it's a rolling goal where as soon as you have new things that you want to put on, you might create a set of tasks that will help you achieve that goal. You know, some of my goals might be to organize a workshop for a visiting teacher. I have a goal, like a longer term goal, which is to work on my accent when I'm speaking Czech to make that be more fluent and more Czech-like. You could have a goal, which is to work on a particular type of project or to work at a particular theater or to work with a particular person that you have in mind. And, you know, for for a long time, my goals have been around meeting people and getting work through London and to make sure that I'm putting myself in a position where I can be working as a quote unquote London local actor which I kind of am achieving in certain senses. And then as I achieve that goal, then the goal might change. And now I might be looking at how to have a goal of possibly working more as a regular on a show. So those are kind of my longer term, a little bit not specific goals, but those are my long longer term goals. Cool. I mean, obviously, goals are going to be specific to you. Right. But what I mean, one thing I think just to kick this off is to seeing as we're starting the the new year is really we can get so sort of maybe resentful or wound up by what has happened in the previous year. And, you know, maybe 2020 didn't go the way you hoped. It didn't go the way anyone hopes. <laughs> the way anyone expected. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So that aside, because obviously that's going to be a mitigating factor to so many things. But one thing to consider going forward is is really to put the negative behind you. It is in the past. Learn from it. Look at what you did and what you didn't accomplish. But 
don't be so hard on yourself and go, right, put your best foot forward and look forward. So put the past behind you, you know, rather than focus on what you didn't achieve, focus on what you would like to achieve or still like to achieve and how you're going to go about doing that. Because otherwise, you're just going to live in the past instead of living in the moment to take the steps that you need to take in order to move forward. Um, I mean, for me, I suppose it's just more of the same, but just better. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm being facetious there. It's difficult, actually. And, you know, I can't quite talk about this without recognizing the fact that we are in a pandemic, not to make that the, the star of the show. But, you know, my goals have to change according to that. So there's adjustment that needs to happen depending on the obstacles that you get into. And, you know, my work will continue to go online and run online for a while now. I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel in terms of getting back in the studio in person until way after Easter, maybe even in the summer. Now, I don't know for sure. Hopefully things will get better quickly, but we don't know. So It's really, for me, it's about how am I best going to use the time and the medium of doing online courses and the adaptation of my in-person courses online and what else I can do about that. But what it's done, it's meant that there are other things that I can put my attention on that I might not have necessarily done in such a detailed way if I was full on with in-person classes and running actual 12-week courses that I normally do because I'm obviously running shorter courses online. And those goals are things like writing, you know, writing screenplays or plays or looking for projects. So these are goals that I'm setting myself very specific. But I think you can do no worse than getting everything out of your head, doing the old school thing of making a list, whether it's on a piece of paper with a pen or on your computer in notes, and making a long list You know, we claim our podcast here to be about the craft, about mindset, and also about business. And you could use those three areas to really start to look at where you need to work and what you need to address and in what way and start to begin to be very specific about what you need to do in order to move forward. Gary, I just want to interject here Mm. just to kind of support what you said about at the beginning of what you were talking about which is that where you might start with, in those three areas, start with, even if you didn't set particular goals, say, what were you working on in the last period, be it a year or a month or a week, you know, depending on what level you're looking at. And what did you accomplish? What did you enjoy doing? What did you feel like you needed to work on more? And then use that feedback from that taking assessment to plan in those three areas what you might want to do for the next period, be it a week or a month or a year, whatever, or five years or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's the way to do it. You know, I think it's interesting because you, you mentioned what didn't quite come off and that certainly needs to be addressed. But then those things that you were happy with or you felt you did have progress in, then don't leave those alone either. You can push them to another level. Exactly. <laughs> those three headings, if you like, can get you started and it gets you specific because they are different. You know, there is craft and all the things that you can do to improve your actual acting. Then there's the business and, you know, all the things you can do to improve how you are perceived, who you get to be seen by, how you conduct yourself uh, and all the rest of it. And then there's the mindset, which is, you know, kind of the fulcrum between those two things. So if one were to excuse the pun, if one were to craft a a goal template for the new year, an actor, and to use your suggestion, Gary, of following sort of our podcast ideas, which are 
divided into craft mindset and business. And that would involve, first of all, taking stock of what was accomplished in the last goal period. And then doing that real, sometimes internal work of dedicating yourself to what the next plan is. And and I think sometimes people get a little bit lost in that part of it because as you look back in order to look forward, um, it can be sometimes a dicey or you know, depressing place for actors. Sometimes you go, oh my God, I only worked three jobs or I only had X number of auditions or my agent dropped me or I didn't get that film finished, whatever it was. You know, sometimes we we have a tendency, I think, to look and see where things didn't match up to our hopes and we can get a little stuck with judgment about that. So I really appreciate the idea that it's important to take stock of it and then find a way to turn that into a renewed kind of energy or reassessment. Was this a realistic goal? How did you go about achieving it? What level of control did you have over it? Did you write it down? Were you thinking big? Was the goal aligned with your real values and your passions? Were you afraid of doing the work that it would have taken to have achieved the goal? I think, you know, if you can do that review for yourself, you will be more successful in putting together a game plan for the next period of time. So let me ask you about this. We've talked about the importance of writing them down. That for me is really big, actually. I I think in the years when I've written them down, or even not even just at the start of the year, when I've made some sort of physical action to put them out in space, you know, like they stay in my mind differently. And I have a different sense to myself of accountability. And also when I just feel like I'm a little lost, I have something to refer to that goes, Hey, you know, this is really what you wanted to be working on right now. You wanted to get this under control. You wanted to take a look at that mindset. You wanted to take a look at how easily you get exasperated about X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I think it's really, really helpful to have something to come back to. So I'm a big fan in writing them down. And there's a whole business that's popped up around planners and journals. A lot of really successful business people love some of the work that's coming out, whether it's color coded or, you know, every day you wake up with a quote or a dream or your painting as well as writing, whatever it is, or it's just a to-do list. I think you've got to find the thing that works for you and really commit it somewhere outside of yourself. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really important part. Just to kind of underline that. So if you have a method that is meaningful to you in terms of how to capture what the goal is or what the thought is Mm -hmm. of what you want to do, then that's great. Personally, I tend to get caught up in making the method of capture very Mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be an area where it's kind of almost easier to get involved in, oh, I got to get this app and I got to get all my categories correct and I got to get all my stuff, you know, (laughs) done and focus on that part. And then I personally spend a lot of my energy doing that part and not actually doing the harder work, I think, of actually narrowing down what the goal is. So if you find yourself getting caught up in the method of capture, then Mm -hmm. just get more simple with it and just write it down 
on a piece of paper or take mm-hmm. a note on a notepad app or something like that. Take a look at this popularity of the shows about home organizing and the books about home organizing. Yeah. Like there's, there's a so much easier to watch the show than it is to do it. <laughs> totally. But also I yeah. think it, it keys us into something in our brain that feels calmed by the order of it you know, and, and to know that the superfluous is put away and that we're only left with what is essential or what is beautiful or what is satisfying. You know, there's really something wonderful about watching that process, but of course it's much easier to watch than it is to endure. So I think you're right. Sometimes it's, we can get lost in the doodle and not put ourselves completely to the task. Exactly. In line with that, one thing to consider is having written goals is very powerful. And I think there's studies been made to prove that those Mm -hmm. written goals are far more successful than those without written goals. They keep you in Mm -hmm. your head. And I think what's interesting, I know I've suffered from this for a long time, is to consider that a good goal, certainly in the short term, should be within your control. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that a goal that isn't within your direct control is a wish. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, you know, it's almost like a proper goal is one that you can actually accomplish. Now, you may want to have an Oscar. You may want to be a star on Broadway. You may want to be a star on the West End, which is great to shoot for. But there should be an appropriate amount of challenge involved and shouldn't be uncontrollable. For instance, who decides whether you're going to be a star on Broadway is not you. You can take certain steps towards that. It's not within your control. Who awards you an Oscar? You don't pick yourself for an Oscar. It's out you of your don't. control. Yeah. You're at, well, in your bedroom, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so out of your many control. Great speeches. Right, right. The, the bedroom awards ceremony. How many actors yeah. have done that? Exactly. So, you know, just because you want it doesn't mean that it's a goal. Mm-hmm. You've got to think of a goal as a target that your own actions, your doings, right? There's so much cross-referencing in whatever discipline and area we get into in our podcast. But, you know, doings and actions relate to all kinds of things, objectives, right? It's Mm -hmm. a goal is a target that your own actions will lead you directly towards it. Mm -hmm. And often without people even helping you, you know, that you might get some help along the way, but it should be within your control. Otherwise, it's just a wish. And it's too, and I think you were saying, Brian, earlier, it's too big, yeah. It's too conceptual. Mm-hmm. And another thing, which is you hit the nail on the head with, Brian, is is how to execute your goal. You know, mm-hmm. a goal is good, but a, a system and a way of executing it is better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you really need to pin that down once you've identified your goals, because that's what's going to get you there. And there's many ways of doing that, as you just mentioned, Andrea, you know, scheduling. You could do no worse than putting a post-it note on your fridge door so you see it every time you go for breakfast or a notification on your smartphone that pops up every day and go, script analysis you better practice or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So you start to you start to build in certain things that are actually happening and there to support you and stop you from watching the latest marvelous TV series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Even if you have, let's say, a goal, a pie in the sky goal or a wish, like I want to be on Broadway or I want to be on the West End or I want to win an Oscar, then this is a larger kind of wish than I want to have an agent for those of you who don't have one, or I want to have a better agent for those of you who do have one. And I think what it comes down to, it's not so much that I want to be on Broadway or I want to win an Oscar is a bad wish to have, which I don't think you were implying, Gary, 
but it's not specific enough. There's no doing there that you can that you can do, that you can say, I'm going to wake up and do this thing. And that's going to bring me closer to this goal. You know, it's fine if you're creating a list of goals, it's fine to put, I want to be on Broadway on that list. But after you have it on your list, then start to look at it and say, well, what kinds of things can I be doing? Which is, I think what mm-hmm. you were talking about, Gary. What are the mm-hmm. tasks that I can do yeah. that are doable right. to bring me closer to that goal? And then that will be something that you can work on day after day or week after week. Right. And even those things have tasks within them. So I need to learn how to how to sight sing, well, then the task might be, I need to find a music teacher or I need to find a singing teacher, right? So break down whatever your goal is into bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. Attainable steps. Yeah, things that you can actually do so that you can say, I want to have this done by this time. Can we talk a little bit about deadlines and if you find that those are challenging for most actors or simply helpful? Because we do feel that there are so many things that we can't control. So now we're focusing on the things we can control, the actions we can take uh, regarding mindset, business, the development of our craft, and then deadlines. Are, can, is there a danger in not being realistic about deadlines because of the nature of the work that we do? What do you think? I think that if the task is doable and finishable, then there isn't a danger in setting a deadline to it. Mm-hmm. With something like, I want to get an agent, there are parts of that that are not in your control. And you might say, well, look, I want to have an agent in a year, but maybe you'll say, well, I want to have my showreel finished in a month. And that's a deadline that you can probably do mm-hmm. if you set that deadline. And even if you don't make it in a month, you might make it in six weeks, whereas you might have spent a year saying, oh, I've got to do my showreel previously. So it's not so much about hitting the deadline right on the nose Mm -hmm. for the most part. It's about using that deadline to spur you into action. Mm -hmm. So now you've taken a look back, you've determined what the most important goals are for yourself. You've written them down or committed them in some way to a format that supports you and you're going about it. You've got some timetables for yourself. How do we how do we best measure our progress with with these kinds of tasks that we have to do? How do you me- measure your progress if you're working on craft, for example, or mindset? I think it comes down to have you set the goal correctly. Let's say you're learning a new language. If the goal is for that task, I want to get better at learning this language, then that's not doable. Right. I mean, it's doable, but it's not finishable. You're never going to be finished getting better at a language. If the task is, I need to learn these 20 words, Hmm. then that's finishable. And you can set a deadline for that and you can know, did you learn the 20 words or did you not learn the 20 words? Mm -hmm. And I think it's very similar with the rest of the craft. So I want to get better at cold readings is not really finishable, but I want to be able to pick up a script and read it through from beginning to end, just glancing down and getting the text and then looking up and saying it, then that's something that you can practice and do and, and be finished with and say, I, can, I know that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think it, I think it comes down to if it feels like something that you aren't able to measure, if you're having trouble saying, oh, I've achieved this or I haven't achieved this, then it's because the the way you've set up the task in the first place isn't isn't probably finishable. That sounds a lot like a Meisner-Doran activity, doesn't it? It does. 
independent activities in the Meisner work. So often when yeah. a student uh, gets a little lost in the creation of their independent activities, the answer from our perspective as we're watching is that it's in the setup, something in the yeah. way it's been set up that doesn't allow you to give the best focus and support your own momentum and your drive to get this thing done. Mm. Yeah, I think it can come down to that. And maybe there's a time when a, when if you're making a choice to have a goal that is less specific than that, then that, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's your goal, it's your life. It's not like you're going to have a teacher that's saying, oh, you need to have it more specific. But mm-hmm. if it feels like you're not accomplishing the things that you're setting out to accomplish, it might be because the things that you're setting out to accomplish aren't specific enough to actually be finishable. Uh-huh. I think, again, Going back to being specific, the more specific you are, I think the more you are able to measure your success in something. Mm -hmm. For instance, if your goal is to create a new showreel, then once you've got a finished showreel, you've completed that task. But whether it's good enough or fulfills your expectations enough or not is another matter. That's a value judgment that you have to have and be mindful of. But also a way of measuring whether you've achieved a goal or not is, for instance, something like, I'm just going to get better at script analysis. If it becomes easier, more enjoyable, less torturous because you have a system or a set way of doing something that is repeatable, and I think that's also very important when it comes to systems and planning, is something that is repeatable, Mm -hmm. then I think you can measure your success that way, particularly with craft-orientated elements of your work. Because like anything in life, if you're not enjoying it or the obstacle is too big to overcome, then you have to step back and adjust you know, that which hinders your task is your task, as the great Sanford Meisner said. So it's a funny thing because you can complete a task and that in itself is a measure of reaching your goal. You know, I'm going to run five kilometers. Well, my smartphone tells me I've run five kilometers, so I've achieved my task. But in terms of our work, it's how easy is it coming to you? Are you still experiencing the same problems if we're talking about craft work, you know, work that is to do with your craft, whether it's emotional preparation or whether it's breaking down a scene or whether it's creating character? And I think you should be able to kind of get a sense that one's well-being connected to that, how you are responding to it. If it's becoming a chore, Mm. then there's something wrong. If you keep coming up with the same answers, which isn't seen as progress, then there's something that you need to adjust. So again, it all comes back to being very specific with what you want and how you're going to do it and what it is that you want to achieve, maybe even having a picture of it. I mean, you know, that's how we work in life. You know, Mm. we have an objective and um, we have a picture of it and that picture is an ideal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one way of measuring. I just think particularly with craft, if we're talking about craft, it's got to to be easier for you. Mm. That for me is a measure, is that things are getting a little bit easier. Things are starting to come more organically, more intuitively. I don't have to have my checklist of what I'm going through when I break down a scene in front of me because it's kind of open-ended, isn't it? You can finish your showreel or you can get an agent, but your work in craft, breaking down scenes, is going to continue for the rest of your life. 20 years, according to Sanford Meisner. Right, yeah. And, you know, or 10,000 hours, according 10, to, um, you know, right. Malcolm Gladwell. But absolutely, yes, it doesn't happen quickly. Mm. You know, and having goals as well and having this consistent motivation gives actors something to strive for because, you know, 
let's face it, the truth is talking about all these hours you have to put in, overnight success is a myth. Mm-hmm. It's it's a myth. It's a result of a series of accomplished goals that lead to breakthroughs and eventually some consistent work or even a life-changing role. But <laughs> goal setting with your acting career is similar to breaking down a scene, right? You've got to have motivation. There's got to be an objective. There's scenes and beats. There's tactics and actions. <laughs> <laughs> and there's all these sort of what you're doing and mm-hmm. how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. There's a book that I've talked about before on the show called Peak. It's yeah. the secrets from the new science of expertise. And it's a book that is delving into how people become experts at something. And one of the underlying principles of the book which has a lot to do with what you're talking about, Gary, is this idea of purposeful practice. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly about goal setting, but it resonates with the specificity of these tasks that we're talking about and how to say, oh, I want to get better at reading a script or a script analysis. And how do you kind of measure that? And so I just want to read a little bit. It's talking about purposeful practice in contrast to what we normally do, which is we just kind of He's talking about a music student here in this passage where we just kind of normally, you just kind of play the piece through and you don't really have a goal. You're just kind of playing it and trying to get better at it. But he said a purposeful practice is, as the term implies, much more purposeful, thoughtful, and focused than this sort of naive practice. In particular, it has the following characteristics. Purposeful practice has well-defined specific goals. Our hypothetical music student would have been much more successful with the practice goal of something like this. Play the piece all the way through at the proper speed without a mistake three times in a row. Without such a goal, there is no way to judge whether the practice session had been a success. You know, in my mind, it goes to really the way to really improve and the way to really accomplish things, which is what we're talking about with goals. The purpose of setting a goal is so that at the end of whatever period of time you're talking about, that you're not kind of in the same place as you were at the beginning, that you've had some forward progress in whatever direction you were wanting to. And I think this has a real resonance with that, which is that instead of just doing it at random, that you really think about, okay, what do I want to achieve here? And How do I go about doing that and making that specific enough so that you can say, did I achieve it or did I not achieve it? Um, I think that's really, really important. And it's difficult to drill down to that. Well, it's very, it's conscious work, isn't it? And it's being aware, there's there's aware conscious work. But you've just reminded me actually of um, a book I read similar, sounds similar called Bounce. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, by a, a table tennis player. His book is about the sort of the power of practice and the myth of talent and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I love it. Yeah, love he it. was. it was really interesting because he was getting sort of third or bronze medals at competitions, maybe even silver every now and again. So he was up there and doing well, but it was never really getting to the top. So he changed his coach and he went to another coach. And I think it was the, um, he'd retired now, but it was the Chinese Olympic coach, but he'd retired. And he coaxed him out of retirement and said, can you take me to the next level? And he, he said, okay, well, let me watch you play for a few weeks. And he watched him play. And he went, okay, so this is what you've got to do. And he was very excited. He was like, okay, well, I'm going to reform my whole fucking game here. And um, he went, just put your hand out with the bat as if you're going to serve. And he put his hand out. And, uh, and then he just adjusted it sort of 20 degrees to the left or to the right. So it was just a slightly different angle. And he went, okay, just practice your serve that way for the next six months, every day, 10 hours a day. 
and you'll get a gold. And he's like, is that it? <laughs> he's like, I pay you all this money. You know, yeah. it's like people have come to fix the boiler. It's like they in five minutes, they fix it and they go, that's 200 pounds, please. And I'm like, well, all you did was just turn that. He said, yeah, but I know I have the knowledge. Yeah. You know? I turned it. I exactly. it and I know the knowledge. But the thing is, and he did, he won gold. He started to win gold at Olympics and all the rest of it. You know, there's big goals that you can make, but there's also, and going back to what we said earlier, you know, there's some things that even if you achieve them last year, you can still get better at. So don't mm. don't neglect the whole spectrum of things. It's like it's mm. the whole, you got to work on all of your game, mm. you know, but it's about knowing what you have to do. Maybe you have to seek out some professionals, maybe a mindset coach, maybe an acting coach, maybe a business coach. We have them in abundance nowadays. I, you know, I didn't have them when I first started out. I was just like, you know, just kind of like muddling about muddling on shit, kicking mm. my way through it and just learning myself. You know, it would have been nice to have all of that again you know, resources, go to people, they might be able to help you. Um, as you mentioned, Brian, worth talking about today also is referring to teachers, and maybe they can flag up things that you need to um, mm -hmm. have a diagnostic, have a diagnostic session yes. with people. Yes, which was gets me to the question I, that's been on my mind for both of you is speaking of diagnostics, you know, how often do you check in with yourself on your goal list? Like, is this a daily thing where you have a sort of a ritual each day to take a look at what your plans had been for the day or the kind of uh, energy you wanted to bring to your to your day or do you fly through it for three months and then sit down with a beer like what's your ritual well I think about it daily basically mm -hmm. I think about my goals daily you know having said write them out because you know out is best and it is it, it, there's a there's a release to them um it kind of maybe every couple of weeks I write them down, but I have them in my mind and I have them at the back in the middle and at the front of my mind, but daily. I mean, I think about things daily. Um, whether I mm -hmm. deal with them daily is another matter. And I suppose the most important things filter down to the front. Mm. What about you, Brian? I tend to write down tasks and not so much the larger goals that I might have. And I check in with the tasks on a fairly frequent basis. And it really does help me actually get them done, to get them out of my head in some place where I can look at it and then I can focus on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you know, us talking about this, not as people that are like, we're perfect in doing it. I really feel that way. But just, you know, it's in, I think it's important to get it out. And part of talking about it helps me to get off my ass and do it. You know, exactly. because I do think that it's important to write down those goals. And I, you know, I don't do it as much as I'm talking about it here. I don't do it myself. And I think I would be much more successful <laughs> if I did. And mm -hmm. I think it's a good kick in the butt for me too. Mm -hmm. Do you write them down, Andrea? I do. I think this year I've felt more discombobulated than in most years. I think many of us have felt that way. And then I think my own transition into Europe has, you know, been a part of that as well. So I think I have less written down now than I normally do. And this conversation is helping me recall the value for myself of having it written down and checking it regularly. Absolutely. I don't know if you guys realize this, but I, I like to, I like to talk and not that I always finish what I have to say, but I always like to start <laughs> saying something. You, but, um, you finish it off eventually. That's what eventually that's like I do. I usually circle back around. Sometimes but yeah, very we go on a process listening to myself when I'm editing these podcasts and listening to myself <laughs> not finish a thought. Um, 
but even when we were talking about like just taking an assessment of what you did and just sitting down with a pen and paper or with your note-taking app or whatever you're capturing these thoughts on, just the process of sitting down Mm -hmm. and looking at it has a positive effect. Mm -hmm. because it kind of forces you to focus on, okay, well, what do I want to accomplish in the next three months or in the next year? And, you know, that's something that we talk about in my classes at the beginning and the end of each term is, well, listen, what do you want to accomplish for the next term? What Mm -hmm. did you feel like you accomplished this term? What did you feel like went well? What did you feel like you want to work on more? Mm -hmm. Those 12-week terms, it's a natural period of assessment, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, a new year is also a natural period of assessment. So it's good to kind of think about that and go, where would I want to end up Mm -hmm. at the end of 2021? What would I like to have accomplished by the end? You know, whether it's writing that screenplay or finding that acting troupe of people that you want to get together with or whatever it is, whether you write it down or not, or whether you actively think about it or not, it's the process of sometimes sitting down and doing it will absolutely be beneficial. You know, and we know this from class, you guys, the weeks go by so fast. People who are saying, yeah, yeah, we, we want to rehearse. I mean, uh, this was different in Los Angeles. It's definitely the case in Prague where, you know, people have lives and they're not focused 110% on acting like they might be in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, hey, you got to rehearse yeah. or you got to you got to read through that script, people go, yeah, 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 that's great. And when they're in class, it's, it's very present in their minds. And then, oh, you know, then, then you don't want to do it the next day right after class. And then it's a few days later and you're still kind of like meaning to do it and you got some time to do it. And then all of a sudden it's the next class Mm -hmm. and you haven't done it. And it's so easy to let the time slip by. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's as you get older, time seems to go faster kind of thing, but time goes real fast. I realized when I turned 40, like, this is it, you know, this is my life. The time that I'm spending now, that's my life. It's not a rehearsal anymore. It's not, oh, I'm going to do this thing and then I'm going to get to my life. This is it. And so I feel like that has made me a little bit more focused in terms of like, well, I want to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish with my life. You know, and that might be really profound for people who are listening to it, who are 20 and going, well, I'm on a rehearsal still, you know, like I'm still getting to my life. But uh, once you get to 40, I think that's a big shift. Well, wait till you get to your 50s. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't, I can't do anything but wait. But uh, It's like I turned 30 uh, and I was like, in my 30s, I was like, yeah, 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 I got it now, I got it. And then like, you know, I was such an idiot in my 20s, but I got it. And then I turned 40, I was like, yeah, 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 I got it now in my 40s, I got it. And I was such an idiot in my 30s. And then you know, I turned 50, I was like, yeah, 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 I got it now. I'm, in my, I'm 50, I'm 50 now. I, got, I was such an idiot in my 40s. And it just keeps going. <laughs> it keeps going, the same thing. But, but you're right, you know, absolutely. Time whips. One of my teachers in New York always, in every class used to say perhaps when an an actor was being a bit lazy or not quite putting in the work in the right way say listen you're not going to have many opportunities and time is going by you know trust me it goes and before you know it 
those things, if you'd have just put that extra 10% in, it could be very different, small margins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, having written goals is powerful. It's an age-old thing, but it, it clarifies and organizes the mind and focuses it. And also, if you either do it in a place, a book or a diary or, or on your smartphone, I, I use notes a hell of a lot on my smartphone, and I look at it every day. It's the app that I use the most. It's unavoidable. If it's in front of you, out of your head, it's unavoidable. You know, why not start with a weekly plan and make a schedule to keep you motivated? Because these things are, are kind of give you a structure and they can motivate you and they can sort of remind you because there's so much in life that can take you in, in lots of different directions. And, you know, you could do worse than putting an hour in on a Monday for something, you know, whether it's learning a skill or an accent, put a Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe craft, and then an hour on Thursday doing business stuff, applying to agents or, or new agents or a casting director. And that's the kind of thing that when you are working, you build up a discipline. And, you know, mm-hmm. all of this is also a discipline. You know, goals require a discipline. And if you have a discipline which works, it works hand in hand with intent and motivation, then you've got something, you know, have mm. the discipline to execute it and come up with a plan or a system, as we've said, then harness that with your passion and your intent. And that will take you very far. And that's what you need. You know, you need to be that organized if you've got a a huge role. So why not start with the small steps? And that's also, it's also training you to be in the business. Excellent. Well, you two have inspired me to um, have purposeful practice of daily living in my work as an actor and teacher and podcaster. So I'm very grateful Mm -hmm. for the conversation. Thank you. Awesome. Likewise. And I asked about this every week and it's rare that people actually write back, but hopefully (laughs) this week, hopefully this week you guys can write some, some notes to us about maybe what your plans are or your goals are for the coming year year or the coming quarter. Uh, We know that obviously the situation is fluid. So go easy on yourselves in terms of accomplishing the goals, but it's important just to have them and to be working towards them. But definitely let us know at Vagabond Actors on Twitter or Instagram or on our Facebook page and let us know what you're working towards and what you would love to accomplish in the coming year. And and we would like to support you in that and cheer you on and develop the Vagabond Actors family and uh, and have people conversing and, and sharing tips and, and tricks with each other and their goals. And maybe we want to help you in that with some things that we've seen or things that we've experienced over the past uh, week that we think we want to turn our listeners on to. So Andrea, what have you seen or listened to or, or experienced this past week? So I did it. I started watching the Queen's Gambit. I've joined the ranks. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very interesting. I'm early into it. Just a couple episodes in. I think maybe I'm only on episode four. But I'm very intrigued by it. It's certainly beautifully shot, and uh, and there's it brings to mind many things. But um, I will save some of those thoughts until I get a little bit further along into the series. In the meantime, I do recommend it. If you have not started it already, I highly recommend it. Fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, so I've heard so much about it. It's one of those. I think maybe the Christmas period will um, will give me some time to, to check that out. But it sounds fantastic, actually. It sounds really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Well, this last week, I, uh, again, visited, as I'm fond of occasionally, uh, an old classic and uh, a movie. And that movie was Network, which I'm sure you're all aware of, um, yes. at least here anyway. And, you know, it's such a... 
there's such a collection of, of great people involved with it, not just the actors. You know, Sidney Lumet directed it. It boasts such an, an A-list creative team as well as the actors. You've got Sidney Lumet who's directing it. Paddy Chayefsky, fantastic writer, mm-hmm. who did the screenplay. And also it stars Peter Finch alongside Faye Dunaway, Robert Duvall, Ned Beatty. William Holden. What's great about it as well, as, as well as the performances, is it's like it's really prophetic and very high articulate satire about the yes. sort of values of TV and, and TV news. And Peter Finch, who may be recognisable to some actors, but he was never sort of a huge, huge star, but he was a, a very good sort of character actor. But he creates a truly marvellous sort of characterization, sort of virtuoso and full of turmoil and rage, you know, and it culminates in that, I think, one of the best, if not the best monologues in film history, the um, Mm -hmm. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, which, you know, in this day and age is, is is quite fitting with all of the craziness that is going on in terms of the way our leaders are conducting themselves and the way the news is conducting itself. Um, mm-hmm. so, so my tip is network for an amazing, brilliant performance by Peter Finch, but there's a whole bunch of other actors worth watching and also a fantastic movie in itself. Love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go in a different direction this week, guys. And I'm going to talk about actually a one of those tools that I go down a rabbit hole with. Uh, and this is a website. They have apps as well called Miro.com. So M-I-R-O.com. They're not a sponsor, although if they want to be, we would welcome their, their sponsorship. So what Miro is, is it's basically an endless online collaborative workspace that you can put sticky notes on, you can draw on it, you can do typing, you can import Google Docs and view them on the tabletop there. You know, you can basically draw arrows. If you had two sticky notes or a sticky note and uh, and and some bit of text, you could draw a digital arrow from one thing to another to connect different thoughts. They have all kinds of different templates. And uh, it's really flexible and quite graphically appealing and what I've been using it for is actually to do my outline of this film that I've been working on, basically getting a, you know, talk about goal setting. I've, uh, I've promised a friend of mine that by the December 23rd, so today is the 22nd of December when, when we're recording this, by the 23rd, I'll have this treatment written. And so that's a deadline that I'm probably going to miss, but you know, we'll see how far I get. And it's actually having that deadline has spurred me to actually really work on beating out this idea that I've had for this movie. But this tool, Miro, has really allowed me to graphically, Mm. you know, I can put tasks in there. I can put, you know, if I have different story ideas or story beat ideas, I can put it, I can put it in and then move them around however I want. It's basically having an electronic whiteboard that has all kinds of shapes and everything all in it. And it's collaborative. Like you could actually in real time collaborate with other people on it, or you can share it and have them leave notes on it or something like that. It's really, really cool. There's a free account that I have where you get one board or something like that, that you can use, which I personally haven't needed more, but um, they have obviously paid tiers as well that where you, there, you might have more stuff that you can do, but I'm happy with the free account personally. Great. That sounds yeah. exciting. It's really cool. So that's my, that's my thing, which is Miro.com and it's good. It's good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's get what I <laughs> Or as Robert De Niro has in the taxi driver on the wall, get organized. 
Get organized. Exactly. Get organized. <laughs> a little poster on his wall just before he says, you're looking at me. He's like, get organized. I always notice that. Yeah. It's like, how is his character ever getting organized? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he might be getting organized, but not organized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Very so, true. Uh, how can people get in touch with you guys? With the start of the year, we're going to get some new followers. We're going to get some new people in on the discussion. Um, Gary, how can people get in touch with you? And do you have classes coming up that they can join? Well, the best thing about my classes is I'm going to be announcing them shortly in the next week or so on social media, and I shall be sending out mail shots if you're on my contact list on my database. So they will be the usual suspects, scene study, casting technique, script analysis, but also I'm hoping to add a couple of extra classes like character work and maybe some open classes that just becomes like a bit like a clinic where people can just bring me their problems. And I hope to try and solve them as a acting doctor um but um, doctor is in yeah doctor in the house so yeah and you can get hold of me on twitter instagram facebook at gary condes or drop me a line on my website garycondes.com awesome and andrea how can people get in touch with you and do you have a class coming up it will be announced soon but we're working on classes to be starting later in january here in palma so yes stay tuned and in the meantime you can find me on instagram at andrea helene three and on twitter at andrea underscore helene cool and i am brian casp i'm at brian casp on twitter and instagram and on my facebook page and i will have classes that are starting we'll most likely be still in a lockdown situation here in January. So I will be having online classes. And if you want to find more information about those, you can go to acting.cz or CZ if you're in the UK. And uh, there's no geographical requirement for them because they're going to be online and it'll be probably repetition class with a little bit of scene study. If you're interested, you can check that out and get in touch with me on acting.cz. Fantastic. Brian, when are you going to launch your YouTube channel on pastries and Czech patisserie? <laughs> Man, it's... <laughs> I might I might do an Instagram live tonight. I might do an Instagram live tonight. About Watch out for I have a pumpkin pie to bake and it's 1030 at night. I don't know if I want to start baking now Uh, or get up early in the morning. So I'm totally with you there, Brian. It's the baking week. Definitely going to do it. It is. It sure is. So folks, watch out for Brian's uh, YouTube channel on pastries. Exactly. Pastries (laughs) and and my gym workout. Exactly. I'll I'll do both. Um, But uh, so we all hope that you guys have a great week until next time and stay healthy and think about what kind of goals and what kind of tasks you want to fulfill between now and the next time we talk to you. So take care, everyone. Bye. Enjoy your Christmas, folks. See you next year. Thank you, everybody. Bye.